My name is Matt Sprinkle. I am the student pastor here at Alice Drive Baptist Church. If whether you are joining us here um, in person or joining us online or at Pacala Bishopville, we are so glad that you're here with us. Uh, but this morning, before we start, let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are so good to us. God, and because you are so good to us, we can be good to others. So, Father, I pray today that if there is a person in here who does not know you, God, that maybe today is a day where you open their ears and open their eyes so they can see and hear the goodness of who Jesus is. God, I pray for those of us who do know you, that today will be a reminder of how we need to be more like Jesus. God, we thank you so much for Jesus and the hope that we have in him. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So we are in the middle of a series called Relationship 101. And last week, Clay helped us to see that, look, God has designed us to be relational beings. We aren't built to do life alone. God has made us to need and crave relationships. So he asked a question last week. I want to ask it again this week. Um, as we're taking time to define what a healthy relationship is for us, we have to ask this, what relationship in your life needs hope? What relationship in your life needs to experience hope? And this goes a lot along the lines of our year, our verse for the year, right? Romans 15, 13. Why don't you read it with me? May the God of hope, joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what relationship in your life needs to experience hope? I got to be honest with you though, right? When it comes to my relationships, I can tend to be my own worst enemy. For instance, sometimes I can convince myself that unless I have some of the things that other people have, I can't relate. To give you an example of this, me and my wife recently bought a house, and after we moved out there, we were taking a family walk down the road, and as we walked down the road, one thing that I noticed in almost every driveway as we walked was a truck. And we have a minivan. Yeah. Yeah, hey, minivan doesn't get enough credit. Anyways, so I look at my wife, and I'm like, I think we need to get a truck. And she said, I think you're losing your mind. <laughs> not really, not really. She didn't say that. But another thing that I tend to do is I, I could be quick to cut people out that don't meet my standard. For instance, where are all my beach people at? Yep, you love the beach, want to live there? I'm sorry, I can't fit in that gap. Sorry. Uh-uh. Mountain people? Yeah! Woo! Mountains. All right, beach people, I'll compromise. If you say let's go to Maine, I'm down. We'll do it. No, no salty sand, no, they just can't. No. But another thing I can, I can do is I can convince myself that I can't contribute as much as other people. For instance, if I'm in a group, right, and I feel like everyone else is more knowledgeable at the thing than I am, then I'll just take the back seat, sit over here, not participate. So where is the root of all of these things that I tend to do? Like, where is the root in me? Why do I tend to do this? Well, if I'm honest, I tend to do this because of my pride. That's it. And the honest truth is, I know I'm not alone in this because as I'm looking around saying some of these things, some of you in your head are like, preach, that's me. 
See, we all struggle with this. We all struggle with having a healthy relationship because of this. For some, for some of us, this is why we lean into envy, and some of us miss out on the important moments with our family because work becomes more of a priority for us just so that we can get more things that we don't need. This is why jealousy will set in for some of us. We begin to belittle people around us and try to pull them down the moment that we feel threatened by them, whether it's at work or whether it's in sports, whether it's in the classroom or even at home. This is why some of us find ourselves comparing ourselves constantly. Uh, We spend our time comparing ourselves to everyone else around us that we successfully convince ourselves that we can't contribute anything to the relationship. So where is the root of all of these things in us? This jealousy, this envy, this comparison, where is it? Well, if we're honest with ourselves, it's in our pride and our self-centeredness. It's almost as if we're saying this, listen, I will only relate to you if. I will only love you if. I could be as good as you. If I could be better than you. Or if only I can feel important. See, pride is such a problem for us that the Bible addresses it numerous times. In fact, King Solomon, one of the most wise men in Scripture, he says this in Proverbs 11:2. He says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with, humble, but with the humble is wisdom. He also says in Proverbs 16, 18, he says this, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. See, and you would think things would change after the Old Testament. No, pride is still an issue in the New Testament, so much so that Jesus addresses it himself. In Luke 14, 11, Jesus says this, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. See, pride hinders you from not only seeing hope in your relationships, but it hinders you from bringing hope to your relationships. See, pride and self-centeredness not only affects your relationships, but it's poisonous to your soul. So if this is true, if this is what pride does to us, what is the healthiest realization that you need this morning when it comes to your relationships? You ready? Here it is. It's not about you. It's not about you. We're going to see in Romans 12, as we step back in, Paul actually helps us to see how this should play out in our lives. In verses 14 and 15, Paul writes this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Last week, Clay did an awesome job in giving us five concepts that will help us to have a healthy relationship. This week, I really need you to take out your pen, take out your paper, I'm going to give you all 10 right now. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give you 10. I'm going to give you one because today's concept is probably one of the hardest for you to apply to your lives. I know because it is one of the hardest for me to apply to my life. You ready? Here it is. One concept. If you walk out of here, you should know it because there's only one. Here we go. The concept of blessing. 
the concept of blessing. And the concept of blessing is this. It is the ability to put everyone else before yourself. The concept of blessing today is the ability to put everyone else before yourself. And listen, it's easy for us to give ourselves a pass when it comes to blessing people. You're like, look, Matt, I bless people. Check it out, right? Some of us, we say, listen, I serve in the church. I serve in kids' men. I serve with students. I bless people. Some of us will even say, listen, my friend needed to move last Saturday. I gave up my whole Saturday just so I could help them move. I bless people. Some of us will go out to eat after church, and then we'll get to where we have to tip the waiter or waitress and be like, yo, I give them 15% and some sometimes. I bless people. But the truth is this, right? It's easy to be a blessing to the people that we're close to. It's now listen, it's even easy to be a blessing to the people that you don't even know. But this is the reality here is that Paul knows our sinful desire to try and give ourselves an out to what it is that he's saying. So he gets really specific here, right? Paul says this, you are to be a blessing to those who oppose you. You are to be a blessing to your enemies. So you, you know these people in your life, right? You, you know who these people are. These are the people who openly oppose you. For instance, that one person, every time you say something, no matter what you say, you're wrong. Yeah, all of you, that one person just right then. This is that person that drains you at most that when you enter the room and they're there, you're like, I give this room five minutes and I'm out. These are the people that don't meet your, meet your standards. And so what you find yourself doing is just saying, ah, well, we just don't get along. These are the people who just can never make the right decision. But what does Paul say to do for these people? Remember, this is a, a difficult concept for us to apply. What does he tell us to do? He says, bless and do not curse them. Bless and do not curse them. And we got to pause. I, okay, we're in the South. I'm not talking about Southern blessing. Most of you are like, uh-huh. If you don't know, if someone ever says, oh, bless your heart, you can pause the conversation right then and say, did you just call me dumb? <laughs> and then if they, if they say, oh, bless. Again, did you just call me dumb? That is doing what Paul is saying not to do. <laughs> he says, bless and do not curse them. And if you look at what it means to curse someone here in the Greek, it means to actually wish the worst thing possible for that person. And if we're honest, the moment that someone does something wrong in our lives, what do we tend to do? When someone wrongs us, what do we tend to do? Well, we write a country song, a lot like Jaron in the wrong, wrong, long road to love. You ready? I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I'll pray for you. Like that's, if you go look up the song, he he listened to a message like this. You're supposed to be a blessing to people. You're supposed to pray for people. And then he wrote the song. He put your thoughts into a song. 
we find ourselves doing this every time someone wrongs us. And listen, it's easy for us to rejoice when someone gets what's coming to them. It's easy to be angered because the least deserving person gets the reward. But you know what's hard? It's hard to share pain with people who you think deserve it. It's hard to not boast when you win over the person that you think didn't deserve to win. And you got to see even a glimpse of this last Sunday night, right? Two teams pitted against each other, fan versus fan in one place. One winner, one loser. What did the winners and losers do? Well, did you see the winners come alongside the losers and be like, oh, you lost, but it's okay, pal. There's always next year. You have a great team. Did you see the winners come by and look at the losers and be like, oh, oh, oh. Or I just said that. You see the losers go to the winners and be like, yay, you won. Woohoo. No, what did they do at the end of the night? Went their separate ways. But what does Paul tell us to do here? Paul tells us to empathize with our enemy. What does he say? He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And if, it, if anyone understood this well, I would say that Jesus did. In the Sermon on the Mount, a passage, a time that meant so much to the early Christians, Jesus says this in Matthew 5, verse 10. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus do? Why is it that he understood this so well? It's because Christ loved his enemy even to the point of death. Even though his enemy hung him on a tree, he blesses them with forgiveness that they didn't deserve. As he looks at them and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What does Jesus do? How does he understand this? Well, well, in the midst of his enemy, in every interaction you see Jesus have in the New Testament, he blesses them with mercy, kindness, patience, compassion, gentleness, respect. Ultimately, how does Jesus bless his enemy? He blesses his enemy with a chance of freedom from the real problem. And the real problem is sin. See, the best realization that you could ever come to when it comes to the people who hurt you is this. The problem is not the problem. The problem is not the problem. This is why Jesus matters because he recognized the deeper issue in us is sin. And if the deeper issue in us is sin, then what do we need to do? Then we should be setting aside our envy, our jealousy, our pride. And what should we, what should we ultimately doing, be doing? We should be setting aside ourselves. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Every time he looks at someone and says, follow me, or he tells them what it is to follow him, he says it means picking up your own cross. It means dying to yourself. So instead of wishing the worst, here are some ways that you can bless people in your lives. The first one is this, ask good questions. Ask good questions. What hurt has happened in their life or is currently happening in their life that has got them reacting the way that they are? Just as you had to realize the real need in your life, Recognize the ultimate need for them is the same mercy, the same love, the same patience, the same kindness, the same gentleness, the same respect, the same grace that you receive from God. That's what they need. 
So start with reminding yourself of the deeper need by asking good questions. This past week, your coworker snapped. You were like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> what, would it, what would it have looked like if you had maybe approached your coworker, your person at school, or whoever it is that did that, and said, hey, is everything okay? Matt, you don't know them. I know. This is why it's challenging. Hey, how can I pray for you? And this leads us to our second thing that we can do. Instead of wishing the worst, pray for them. Pray for them. Forgive them. Ask them, ask the only one who can change them to work in their life. Pray for them. Ask God, hey God, help me to forgive them. Because right now I don't want to. After all, this is exactly what Jesus modeled on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Listen, so many of us as parents, and I have, I have kiddos myself, eight, six, three, and one. And this is even true for, for me, myself. But so many parents are upset with their teens or their child's rebellion. This is what you need to be reminded of is in those moments are you lifting your child up in prayer? Are you asking God for his wisdom and guidance? Because I don't know about you, but I mess up parenting sometimes. Every time I try to change my child, God sends me a reminder that I'm not the one that's going to change him. This leads us to another one. Be emotionally available Instead of wishing the worst, be emotionally available even to your enemies. Even to your enemies. So is there a way that you can serve them and come alongside of them? See, this is what we see Jesus do himself as he reclines with the tax collectors. As he comes alongside the woman who's caught in adultery. As he meets the woman at the well. All of these people are people who society looked down on and would like to push off to the side. But Jesus, he comes and he meets them exactly where they are. When everyone gave up on them, Jesus meets them. It's that one friend that all of your friends try to avoid. How can you come alongside of them and be emotionally available? The last thing is this. The last thing, instead of wishing the worst, speak kindly about them. Jesus, on our behalf, speaks to God on our behalf. So I want to ask you this, how well do you speak of people to other people? When your spouse drops the ball, what do you find yourself doing? How well do you speak of people to other people? And listen, if we understand this concept of blessing, we can enter into this next verse. But like I said, this is a very difficult, I realize this is a very difficult concept for us to be able to apply to our lives. Because a lot of us have some serious hurt. But if we can understand this concept of blessing, we can enter into verse 16 and see the beauty that Paul talks about here. He says this in verse 16. He says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Did you see what Paul just said there? He said, Blessing bring harmony. Blessings bring hope. 
See, this concept of blessing is what helps us to live in a broken world. This concept of blessing is what helps us to bring hope into our broken relationships. So what is the healthiest realization that you need today about your relationships and for your relationships? We said it once. We have to say it again. You ready? It's not about you. It can't be about you. It has to be about something more. It's about bringing hope to your relationships and becoming more like Jesus. See, pride isn't only toxic to your relationships here. It prevents you from seeing what God's best is for your life. So here you are, right? You've heard all this. You're like, okay, I get this concept of blessing, but Matt, dude, setting my pride aside at times is difficult. And some of us would like to say that we're so humble that we're very proud of it. It's a joke. <laughs> so we might find ourselves asking these questions, right? Okay, I hear this concept, but where do I even begin? How do I get past my pride? How do I put my enemy first? Well, maybe for some in the room, online, Bacala, Bishopville, maybe your next step begins with first finding freedom and forgiveness in Christ. Listen, it's hard to be able to be a blessing even to your enemy if you have never experienced this kind of blessing yourself. This is an extremely hard concept to understand if you have never experienced this kind of blessing. You wouldn't have the hope that this concept bring, brings if Christ didn't do what he did. We have to ask ourselves, look, can you expect to forgive others if you can't move past your own guilt? If you can't even forgive yourself, how can you expect the ability, the ability to be able to forgive the people that are around you? Can you come alongside your enemy the way that Christ did, even in your rebellion? That while you were still a sinner, what did he do? He laid down his life for you. Can you love what seems unlovable if you haven't experienced God's undeserved love yourself? And listen, you may have been feeling this need for some time now, and if that's you, we have a next step room across our campuses. We have a place for you to be able to come and share that this is something that you've been dealing with, struggling with for a while. We want to continue that conversation because, look, we are a church that's ready to weep with those who are ready to weep, but we are also ready to rejoice with those who are ready to rejoice. And so if you come in that next step room and you see me and be like, Matt, today I want to put my faith in Jesus, you and I will do the biggest happy dance, and we will dance on out to your car, I promise we will go together arm in arm. <laughs> because that is the biggest step that you can see for yourself is your need for Christ so that you can experience this blessing. See, some of us in here, we're like, okay, I've experienced Christ. I've had that blessing. I realize the blessing that Jesus gives to me, freedom from my sin, Forgiveness for the things that I've done. I see that he's died for me on the cross and conquered the penalty for my sin so that I could have a healthy relationship with God. So maybe the next time you're wronged, maybe your next step is to remember one of these or all of these. Ask, would I do the same if it weren't for God's love in my life? 
Would I be where they are if it wasn't for God's love in my life? Pray, God, help me forgive them as you forgave me because right now I don't want to. Pray, God, change them the same way that you changed me because you're the only one that can. Next time someone wrongs you, meet them where they are. Be emotionally available for them. And lastly, let your words about them bring hope. Set aside your pride so that this broken world sees hope, not only in the blessings that you receive from God, but also the blessings that you give other people. See, the coolest thing at Alice Drive is that we get glimpses of this every single week across all of our campuses in our life groups. See, we have life groups that, that love each other well, and there is a life group at Alice Drive where they have consistently met for over three plus years. They have continued to grow, and they have a high retention rate of people that check out the group because of some of these reasons here. First one is this, they focus on Jesus first. They love each other well. They consistently do life together. Not only in the one hour time frame that they have here on campus, but also outside of the walls of the church. They pray for each other. They share with each other financially, spiritually, emotionally. They are always welcoming to new people, yet they continue to care for their regulars. And right now, this group is entering into a new season. This group does really well rejoicing with each other in times to rejoice, but they also do really well when it's time for weeping because over the last 12 months, several members of the group have lost a parent, a spouse, or a child. But yet they are covering each other in prayer, love, and hospitality. This is the kind of thing that happens in all of our life groups. See, this kind of love brings hope. This kind of love crushes our pride. And when our pride is, or when our pride is crushed, then you can really bless someone. So who needs your blessing today? What relationship needs hope? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. God, I pray for everyone that's here, God, maybe for the one who doesn't know you, that today is the day where they come to know you for the first time. And God, let us be able to rejoice with them as a church. God, maybe some of them have a lot going on and they just need someone to walk alongside of them. So God, I just pray that you will um, give them courage to, to reach out, ask for help. Father, ultimately, we see the ultimate example that's set for us in Jesus. That while we were still sinners, he laid down his life for us. That while he walked on this earth, he spent his moments even around his enemies being a blessing. Walking in love and kindness, gentleness, respect, patience, mercy, and grace. God, this is hard for us to do on our own, and I think it's why Jesus tells it to everyone who wants to follow him to give up themselves so they can see what God's best is for their lives. So God, help us to start that journey today. 
God, we thank you for this hope that we have in Jesus. Let us bring this hope into the broken world in which we live. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.